everyone, and welcome back to another episode of The Reality Is. As always, it's newer, and today's Real Housewives of New York episode is going to be solo. Um, we just couldn't get it together. We've had a busy week. People in my house had COVID, so not that that's an excuse because I still don't have COVID, um, despite me basically begging for it, but um, I just got busy. Things got busy. We couldn't coordinate. So I'm going to talk about New York alone today, And um, but before I do, I do want to talk just briefly about OC. Now, I recognize that I haven't talked about OC in two weeks. I recognize that um, as I record this episode tonight at 8 p.m. Wednesday that um, OC is currently on, but I just want to talk about it because I just want to defend my um, my girl, Heather Dubrow. Okay. Now, I have to say, is Heather Dubrow a out-of-touch monster? Of course. Of course. But I think that we need to like get with the program about what kind of television show we're watching here. And I think there's always a disconnect of like, what are we watching here? And what I love about OC is that most of, mostly we're watching women have secrets and these women have secrets and talk shit about each other. There's a lot of like, you know, I think <laughs> the perfect explanation of Real Housewives of OC would be a bunch of women hanging out. And then one, one, when one woman gets up to go use the bathroom the women turn to each other and say, hey, can I just say something about her? And like, that's basically the Real Housewives of OC in a nutshell, right? Because then that woman comes back from the bathroom and they all pretend to be nice to her. And then at the next gathering, well, somebody tells that woman who went to the bathroom, hey, by the way, so-and-so was talking about you. That's all, the, that's all OC is. And to me, I love that, but I can see why the rest of the women get irritated about Heather um, because Heather doesn't necessarily do that on camera, I don't believe, right? Like, I think that's the point is that Heather is definitely talking about her on cam- off camera and maybe she's doing it out of concern, but Heather's playing the game well and they're trying to catch her and they can't. And I think that's brilliant of Heather. And I think she's too smart for them and that makes them crazy. But I love OC. What I don't love is that we're going to have to watch Vicki Gunvalson back on the show tonight. And then she's going to be at Watch What Happens Live tonight with um, uh, Shannon and Tamara. There was like a video of them arm in arm, like busted up sex in the city walking into, you know, the 30, 30 rock. I don't know where the clubhouse is. I've never been. Nobody has invited me, but they just look so stupid. I just hate them. They're like the worst. They're the worst. Anyway, I hate them together. I love Shannon on her own. I love Shannon when Tamara pokes at her, but I hate Tamara and I hate Vicky. And I just get annoyed because I'm tired of a bunch of women in their fifties and sixties screaming about like dumb being woo girls, being woo girls. And then every few minutes being like, I pissed myself. That's not cute. It wasn't cute when you were 19. It's not cute when you're 60. Okay. Anyway, um, let's talk about rehearsals of New York. So the ladies are in Anguilla, Anguilla, and they are heading to dinner. And this is after the end of last episode where they basically (laughs) made Jenna feel like shit for coming early um, me, this six foot, 55, six foot tall, 55 year old woman feel bad about taking a business class flight as if it matters. Um, 
And they basically come at her about not opening up. But anyway, they go to this dinner at like a sandbar, basically. And all I could think of was all of the times that we've been to Turks and Caicos. And isn't there like the conch shack? And that's where Ramona, shit myself singer, is always like flirting with dudes. That's just what I was thinking of. Probably because it's New York and also because they're at the beach. Anyway. So you get to this dinner and Uba brings up the stuff that Bryn said to Abe, like kind of jokingly, but she's also bringing it up to be like, why would you guys think that it would it was okay for Bryn to say the stuff that she did to Abe? And Bryn does apologize. Besides that she doesn't care. She doesn't care if – she wouldn't care if, if anybody said that to her husband. Um, Bryn does apologize to Aaron, but she – apologizes to Aaron for saying that Aaron's party was boring. And Aaron's like, wait, what? I'm so confused. I'm not mad that you said my party was boring. That's not true. You literally stormed off from the wreath making party because Aaron said your party, sorry, Bryn said your party was boring. And she was like, my party wasn't boring and my wreath is amazing and you guys suck and I'm good at designing. Bye. She's such a fucking brat. I fucking hate Aaron. Anyway, um, Bryn and Aaron do talk about the stupid Abe thing and there's apologies and whatever, but then they move on to harassing Jenna. They're harassing Jenna because they say that Jenna doesn't share things and they harass this woman to the point where she starts to cry. And again, she has to open up again, right? And they always keep saying like, we get it. Like Jenna's not part of a group. So like she's never had a friendship like this. So like she doesn't open up. Like we get it. We get it. But like, do you get it? Because you guys keep bringing it up. And then Jenna starts to talk about, you know, her mom again and how she shares how her house was really quiet because her mom was on the spectrum and she didn't even know that her mom was on the spectrum until she was much older and things were complicated and she lived in a very quiet house and everybody had to be quiet all the time. And again, she's sharing this information in tears, but you guys, we already know this about Jenna's mom. Jenna told all the girls about her mom in the Hamptons. The only person who didn't hear that story was Bryn because Bryn hadn't come yet. But everybody else was there when they heard about Jenna and her complicated relationship with her mom. You guys were all there except for Bryn when Jenna shared the stuff about her sexuality. So I think the issue is that Bryn has not been present at the scenes where Jenna has been opening up. And then as a result, she feels like really like, I don't know, I don't know what to say. Like she just feels really out of the loop. So she feels like she needs to keep making Jenna open up. And it just, it doesn't make any sense because they get on Jenna about this, but then they rag on Jessel. So Jenna says, you know, just because I'm not telling you everything about me or that you don't know everything about me or the stupid fucking name thing, which by the way, it's on her Wikipedia. It's on her fucking Wikipedia. Okay. Most people, public people who have a Wikipedia who go by a name different than the name that they were born with, you can usually find that information out on the fucking Wikipedia. And you're telling me that none of these women knew to go look up Jenna Lyons on Wikipedia. None of you looked each other up. I call bullshit about that. But Jenna even explains like why she opened up to this girl. They're like, oh, you opened up to a stranger, but not to us. That's not true. She did open up to you. I don't understand what the fuck they want from her. It's ridiculous. But anyway, Jenna says, 
you know, I don't know a lot about Jessel, but that's not because I think she doesn't want to tell me. I think just I just haven't had a chance to get to know her. So Jessel starts to talk about her family. And she says that her parents are from India and they lived in Kenya and they lived there for a long time. And then they moved to London. And of course, they do the housewives thing where they feel like people are going on and on and on. And I think Jessel's trying to explain how she got to America, which is that like she was in London. Her own family like didn't come to America and immediately get like rich and famous. Her uncles wanted to be photographers. They lived on the street and then they got discovered. Like, I don't think that that's a boring story or that that's like a made up struggle. Like Jessel saying my parents didn't really help me out when I came here on my own Yes, it's not the same as Sai having to like drop out of school and work at Macy's, but it's still Jessel's struggle. And it really, really bothers me because during the confessional, Sai says something like, oh, Jessel told this story about how she was, her parents were in Africa and then they ended up on the Mayflower that brought them to, to America. I was like, you're not listening. Like you are asking this person to open up to you and then you're not listening when they do open up. Like, I think it's really fucked up because I would think that it would be really cool to hear, oh, I didn't know that there were Kenyans, there were Indians in Kenya. There's a huge Indian population, especially a Gujarati population in Kenya. In fact, that's, I believe that's what Jessel is. Jessel's family is Gujarati. So like Indians have been in Kenya since the 1800s, you idiots. Like it just found it to be so frustrating because it found it to be frustrating because I think that I think this is going to get like this is how I personally feel. One hundred and million, ten thousand billion percent, the privileges that South Asian Americans and South Asian immigrants have in this country are far greater than any of the shit that Black and Brown people. Hispanic people, Latino people, and Black people in America have had to deal with. 100% agree with that. Yes, you cannot compare what Psy, how Psy grew up, or the shit that Bryn had to deal with, with Jessel's struggle, quote unquote. Certainly you cannot compare those two. But Jessel's not comparing that. You all are comparing it. Jessel just is telling you guys the story of her life and her parents and how she felt like she personally had to work really hard. And I do think that there's this other thing, right? Which like I think is hard to explain, but like when you decide as a South Asian to go out of your way to not do a the job that everybody else in your family does, like a doctor or an engineer or a lawyer or something, there's a lot of pressure to prove yourself. Jessel is saying that she struggled because she came to America and she was interning for her uncles and she didn't have any support from her parents and all she had was $20. Sai being like, you had $20? $20 would have been a gift to me. Okay, but she still only had $20, Sai. Like, why are you getting mad at her because she had $20? That's crazy. It's so insensitive and bizarre. But anyway, going back to like Jessel, I think that like there is – it's hard to explain, but like as South Asians, when you step out of your 
what the path that your family has laid out for you. You have a lot to prove yourself. You have to do a lot to prove yourself. And certainly that is not the same struggle as a person having to drop out of school or have to quit your job or pretend or like not be able to pay for college or live on the streets. Like certainly it's not the same thing, but it is a different kind of struggle and it's still a struggle. It's still a difficult thing. This woman couldn't even tell her parents that she was having difficulty conceiving and that she had to spend thousands and thousands of dollars to go through fertility treatment to have her kids. Do you think that it's going to be easy for her to call up her parents and be like, remember that job you guys told me not to get? Well, I'm having a hard time doing it. Can you help me financially? It's not easy. Again, the struggle is not the same, but it's still a struggle and they're so fucking shitty. Uba says it best. You get mad when people don't open up and then you rag on them when they do open up. What the fuck do you want? It's just so frustrating. Anyway, on the car ride back, Erin proves that she's probably Ben Shapiro's number one fan because she doesn't know what WAP is, okay? Uba (laughs) Uba said... that at, the, at TSA said, are you carrying any liquids? And Uba said, nope, just this WAP, <laughs> which is hilarious. But Aaron's like, what is a WAP ass pussy? What is that? Is your ass wet and also your pussy? Well, yeah, girl, if he's doing it right, both are. Of course. <laughs> Aaron, tell us that you've never orgasmed without telling us that you've never orgasmed. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't she tell us on the first episode? She was like, I don't like to talk about this stuff. She tried to like turn into Ramona. Meanwhile, didn't she say on like the very first episode that her husband likes to make her come? Okay, I don't believe that. I don't believe that for a second. I don't think if you are grossed out by the words wet as pussy, then I'm pretty sure that you've never actually had one, Erin, okay? <sighs> anyway, the next morning, um, I really enjoyed the scene. There was a scene where Jessel and Uba are just decompressing about the dinner in bed, and I just enjoy it. But they said that, like, Bryn, I said, at, I think at some, oh, yeah, Bryn at some point at the dinner was, like, the night before was, like, Jenna, we gave you so many opportunities to open up. And Jenna's, like, when would I have opened up? And Bryn's, like, at Thanksgiving. And Bryn's, like, uh, no, if I opened up, or sorry, Jenna's, like, no, if I opened up there, it would have been really awkward. And they gave us this, like, imaginary take of what that would have been like. <sighs> okay. I know people really enjoyed it, but, like, to me, I was, like, we would have, we would have gotten the message even if you didn't do this little like made up little like scene. I don't know. It really – it gave me – it made me feel like this episode was a little bit of a filler episode because um, because it was filled with a lot of this kind of stuff. Um, anyway, but Jessel and Uber are talking and they say that, you know, Bryn – says no one shares, but like when Bryn is sharing this really traumatic story, if somebody was to share theirs, again, people would view that as a comparison. That's the issue. And it's like people are damned if they do it or damned if they don't. I don't understand what Bryn and Cy and Aaron want, honestly. Um, At breakfast, they sit down and Jenna again begins to get emotional and They all sit around and unpack and psychoanalyze each other. And then Sai shares a really sad story about her mother and alcohol. Her mother 
being an alcoholic and having a heart attack in a park all by herself and how she died and how her ashes are in a shopping bag in her closet. And Jessel's trying to be so sensitive and like how she's asking about like, what are you going to do with the ashes and stuff? But I feel like you can you can definitely tell that Jessel's really afraid of what she says to these women because I don't think that it's going to be received the way that she's trying to convey it. I don't think they understand Jessel. I don't think Jessel fully understands herself, but I adore Jessel. I don't think Jessel means harm. I think Jessel just is going to be received poorly no matter what she says. But anyway, I do have a theory about – about sharing. So I have a theory about why the women are so obsessed with like them sharing or not sharing what you're sharing. I think that obviously these women know that the reboot of Roni was a really big deal. And I think that they are carrying on them a lot of pressure to make a really good show. I think they're also trying to like really take notes and compare to like season one. Like what do we share and say? Like, what did they do in season one? What worked in season one? What didn't work? Like, what worked in the old Roni? What didn't work? And I think that we've obviously heard a lot, like, all over the internet about how towards the end, Real Houses of New York just was old white ladies shitting themselves and pissing their pants and falling over. And after a while, that got really – it wasn't fun. Obviously, the last season was really not fun. And I think a lot of times we've heard about, like, how we want the real New York, the real New York, the real New York – And I think that these women keep wanting to share these like really traumatic stories about themselves because I think that they're trying to like make the show something that they feel the old one wasn't. And I think that when they get really like hard on Jenna, I think they feel like Jenna is just going to go by by just being a famous person. She's not actually – like doing her part of the job, which is opening up about herself, which again, she is. She had oral surgery. She brought cameras into the OR with her. She's told us about everything about herself, pretty much. I don't know what the fuck else you want from her, but like the whole thing of like everybody needs to open up and share and share. I'll be honest. I don't always, I don't necessarily need to know everything about somebody's back story. I need to see how you actually interact with each other. And the way that you all are interacting with each other is a little bit annoying. It's weird. It's like it it's hard to follow. Like I can't I can't follow the thread of whatever it is that these guys are doing. And it just it feels to me a little bit like they just have this I don't know. They have this sort of they have this sort of expectation of what they think the show should be or they what they personally think the show should be. And I think Aaron, Bryn, and Sai might be on the same page about it, but I don't think the other women are, and I think that that's what bothers them so much, which is annoying. Like, you're not producers. Just the, sh- the show will be what it, it is. You just have to be yourself. Anyway, that's it on that. Um, the ladies go to what Jessel's dad calls the bitch. This – really made me lol because my dad also says words really funny. Um, (laughs) That's very South Asian dad. Like South Asian dads will call the beach a bitch, but then also say, instead of saying son of a bitch, they'll say son of beach. And they always get their bitches and their beaches confused. And it it just, again, loving Jessel because she's, she's accurately a South Asian woman. Um, 
Oh, what happens? Oh, they uh, – while they're just like hanging out on the beach, Bryn and Aaron again are obsessing over how Jessel hasn't had sex. And Aaron says something like, oh, if I didn't have sex for a year and a half, I'd kill myself. Aaron, I don't – now with you again being anti-WAP, I don't think that you've even been having good sex. So I don't believe you. And also stop. Like get over it. Why are you guys obsessed with this? Let it go. Um, if you do a corny little photo shoot and there's a lot of like, Jenna won't go oh, – Jenna won't take off her bathing suit, whatever. Like I feel like in this show, there's a lot of like we're all going to do it or no one's going to do it. I think that's like also a very young girls thing. Like I feel like that's a thing that happens in cliques, right, when you're in high school. We're like we're all going to do this thing. And if we're not all doing this thing, then it's not fair. But like mm, – you don't do that in your 30s and 40s and 50s. Like you're all your own people. So you should be allowed to do whatever the hell it is that you want. And like even like I just – one of the things that I'm honestly flabbergasted about is how Aaron has gotten away with like shitting on Jenna and putting all this shit on Jenna and like making such a big deal about Jenna taking an earlier or an earlier flight to fly business class. Like she made such a big fucking deal out of it. And then she's, like, the one that's pretending to, like, console Jenna. Also, like, she's also another one that's, like, oh, Jenna, you don't share. You don't share. You were so open with me when you, like, when I came to your house with the soup and everything. Yeah, she was open to you, and then you used it against her, you loser. <sighs> anyway, they do a corny little photo shoot, and I don't care about it. Um, they go to lunch, and here, Sai uh, says, Bryn, tell us about your love life. And um, Uba, oh, what did I, oh, they start to talk to Brynn and she says, yes, I want to like really be focused. I want a husband. I really, she says something like these, these eggs aren't going to scramble themselves, which is cute. And Uba says, you got to freeze your eggs. And I liked that Uba is talking about that. Uba's like, yeah, it sounds like a lot, but you need like three weeks of it and you freeze your eggs and you just feel a lot better. I have actually quite a few friends, especially South Asian friends, especially Muslim friends who have gone the route of freezing their eggs in their late late 20s, early 30s. And the reason why they did that is because they weren't finding the right partners and they were finding that they were overlooking a lot of red flags out of fear that if they don't move forward soon, that they're going to, you know, their eggs are going to be gone and then they'll be out of, they'll be like, essentially they felt like they were fighting. They were ignoring red flags to beat the biological clock. So they froze their eggs and then now they're like, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if I find my person at 40 or 50 or 60 but I have those eggs if if and when I want to have children. I think that's a beautiful thing. And I'm glad that Uba did. I wish I could learn more about Uba's decision there, you know. Um, but Bryn says, yeah, I know. I really need to. It's just really expensive. And then she says she went in and there was an intake form. And on the intake form, they said, they asked her who would she like to have? Is there anybody that she would like to have embryos with? Now, she says, I was like, oh my God, I was going through my phone. I was like, oh my God, let me find a name of a person. Like who who can I have, who can I have these babies with? Because uh, the chances of an embryo surviving is higher than an egg. And Aaron pushes, goes, oh, Aaron, God, I hate her. Aaron kind of moves aside and she looks at Uba and says, that didn't happen. There's no way that that happened. 
yes, Bryn is obviously joking. Like, I, I think Bryn is exaggerating and she's trying to be funny. But what does Aaron get out of doing something like that? Like, what does Aaron get out of saying, like, Bryn, I think you're making that up. I don't believe you. She says something like, I'm a girl's girl and I know a lot of girls who've gone through it and I don't I don't believe that that's ever happened. First of all, Aaron is fully the type of person that is like, if I, if I personally don't know anybody who has gone through this experience, then it's not real, which goes to show why she's so skeptical and why she voted for Trump and donated to him many times, um, including after Trump lost the election in November, November 2020. Anyway, but Bryn, like, I get what Bryn is doing, which is like she's trying to be funny and cute. Do I think that it went exactly the way that Bryn is saying? No. But Aaron then saying like, I think you're making that up is just like fucking weird. Like it's just a weird move. Like what do you – okay, even if she is, what do you want to do about it now? She's like, it's just such a weird thing to lie about. Like why are you lying? And then Bryn is like, why would I make that up? And then Aaron's like, I just think you should relax. Like why are you being so sensitive? Oh, God, she's the worst. And like – She's saying, like, why are you being so sensitive while also at the same time pulling everybody aside and being like, oh, don't you think Bryn is a liar? I think Bryn is a liar. Don't you think Bryn is a liar? Fuck you, Aaron, you wet-ass blanket. Wob. That's what Aaron is, a wet-ass blanket. And I just, like, she gets in her – did I say Bryn? I meant Aaron. Did I say Bryn is a wet-ass blanket? I meant Aaron. I don't know. I don't know what I just said. I could stop the recording and go back and listen, but I'm not going to do it. Anyway, Aaron sucks. She gets into the car then and she's like, okay, I'm really sorry. I'm sorry, Bryn. But like, are you sorry? I don't think that you are sorry. I think the issue is that you noticed that you are were trying to be a funny dickhead. You were trying to be a dickhead by poking fun at this girl. Nobody else joined you. And then now you went and said sorry. You're not actually sorry for what you did. You're sorry that people didn't laugh along with you at this person. That's all it is. If people were laughing along with Aaron, she would have no problem not saying sorry to her. She would just go along with it because that's the kind of because Aaron's that kind of girl's girl. Um, they go back home and they're two hours later and they're getting ready for dinner. And Bryn says that she is going to take the night off. Um, she talks to Cy about it. She just says she's kind of overwhelmed. She also goes and talks to Aaron and Aaron is like, I'm, and Bryn says, you know, I'm telling you that I am not going to go to dinner, but I want you to know that so that you don't think that I'm mad at you. And Bryn is like, uh, I keep like I feel like I'm messing Bryn and Aaron up and maybe I'm not but my brain is so fried Bryn says that to Aaron Aaron is like no it's totally fine I love you like I totally I love you I think you're great I love you I love you I think you're great meanwhile next episode they're gonna definitely get into a fight but it's weird because I don't understand what Aaron's I I it's very obvious to me that Aaron is struggling with the, this group. Like she hasn't made a friend, right? She's obviously almost she's obviously had a fight with Jessel. She's had a fight with Sai. She's having a fight with Bryn. She's broken Jenna's trust. I think Aaron realizes that she doesn't have a friend here. So she's like doing all these things to try to like she's poking at people. I think she pokes at people with the attempt to try to make friends by 
aligning with other people who might not like her or like the. Okay, let me make sense. Let me let me let me clear my thoughts. Aaron would be, you know, Aaron. I'll show you. I'll tell you an example. I saw a preview for next week where. Aaron sits Je- uh, Bryn down and talks shit about Jessel. This is what Aaron does. She goes to other people and talks shit about somebody. And then she's waiting for that person to pile on. So then she feels like she has like a special bond with that person in hating another person. That's what Aaron feels like to me. And that I think is so shitty. That's like the, sh- the shittiest kind of friend because then you cannot trust that person. And that person is always going min- to like mince your words and come after you and make fun of you. And it really bothered me. Like it just bothers me the way that like Aaron kind of deals with Jessel. Like I think there's a preview for next week where she's complaining again about Jessel's struggle. And like Jessel's not – Jessel doesn't have the struggle that you and Sai do, but she tries to think that she does. No, I don't think that she's comparing her struggle to Sai or Bryn's, but she's just sharing her own personal struggle. It's still her struggle. She struggled from what she had known before. I don't think for a second that Jessel had a hard time if I think about it truly financially. And like I said, I think that there's a great amount of privilege that like South Asians have in America. All Asians do. We've benefited from the fucking civil rights movement. We wouldn't be where we are without black and brown people in America before we got here, right? But we have still had our own struggles and certainly they are not the same. And there, there should be no comparison and no one is making a comparison. But if you are hearing somebody else's struggle, Sai or Aaron or Bryn, and immediately comparing it to your own and then downplaying their struggle, that's fucked up. Also, can I just say, I can tell that Sai is trying to be Bethany and it's just like not it. It's just not it. Like it's just so corny. I will say that the one thing that I did like that Sai did is that she continued ordering dinner at that Sandy dinner um, while Aaron kept trying to say like, no, why are you guys ordering dinner? I'm in the middle of a conversation. Mm -mm. We're not going to not order food just because you want to bicker with somebody again, Aaron, you wet ass blanket. One more thought that I wanted to note was that this week – Brynn apparently went online and like was coming for Bravo accounts that were insinuating that she was a sex worker. And she said that, you know, just because Bravo chose not to show what she's actually working on or her actual job or how she makes her money doesn't mean that she's a sex worker. Let me say something, first of all. There is no shame in sex work. Sex work is work. So if that is how anybody is making their money, that should not be shamed. But also, Bryn, your entire shtick on this show is to, like, marry somebody's dad because they're rich. Like, flirt with so-and-so because I go through men's wallets and blah, blah, blah. You understand that you are playing a – like, it's frustrating because it's like you're making a joke about yourself. And I get that it's – I understand that it would be hurtful if somebody was trying to diminish my career – Sure. But also you are inviting this kind of like joke making into the spectrum and then you're getting upset when people make that joke. We just want to know what your job is, dude. And we have no we still do not know what your job is. And Bravo hasn't shown us and all they've shown us is that you date really, really rich dudes and you like nice things and you like presents from rich guys and you go through their wallets and you show your nudes to somebody casually to pick up men and that all the men that you've dated are super duper rich. I'm not saying that that means that she doesn't have her own money, 
But I'm saying that that definitely paints a particular kind of picture. And there's nothing wrong with that picture. There's nothing wrong with being a sex worker. There's nothing wrong with being a woman who enjoys getting wined and dined and taken care of. There's nothing wrong with being a kept woman or a sugar baby. But Bryn, you have opened this level of like joke making about yourself and now you're upset that somebody's making that joke. You know, it's annoying. Anyway, uh, that's it for this episode. I'll be back on Saturday. I'm going to release an episode either Saturday, yeah, or Friday night, Friday night or Saturday night, depending on how long it takes me to edit it, um, with Kaya and Aaron from Bravo We're Black, which I'm really excited because I've never had them on the podcast before. And we've like dabbled here and there in just like crossing paths through our other pod friends. But I'm really, really excited because they're going to be back. Uh, they're going to be on, not back on because they've not been on. Um, they're going to be on the podcast this week. And um, yeah, you guys should check that out. It's going to be, uh, we're going to talk about Atlanta and uh, Salt Lake City and OC. We have to absolutely talk about the Atlanta reunion. I know I haven't talked about Atlanta much at all because it, it drained me, okay, in the words of Marlo. Um, but we are going to talk about the reunion because um, that song that Drew sang was uh, ex- exactly the kind of Delulu that I'm looking for, okay? Um, but anyway, I'll be back then. Um, thank you for listening. Thank you for being here. And I will catch you next time. Bye. Bye.